Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is episode 324 with Lachlan Giles. Uh, Gary said when we before we came on the air that uh, everything Gary learned, everything Gary knows about jujitsu, he learned from Lachlan Giles. Now that doesn't mean he knows everything Lachlan knows about jujitsu, but uh, he's coming along okay. We're going to start this episode off with a quote, and it is by Greg Popovich: "The measure of who you are." is how you react to something that doesn't go your way. Man, I think that's a great quote. I think it's it's true that it's a measure of who you are, and I'll let you guys share your take on that. I just want to say that it also is the difference oftentimes between winning and losing. When you're in a match and your, your game plan is to take the guy down and work from the top, and he comes in with a blast double leg and puts you on your back, that did not go your way, and how you react to that is probably going to be the difference between whether or not you win that match. What do you guys think? You know, same thing in, in basketball. Um, you know, the rest are never going to be perfect. Same thing in jiu-jitsu. They're going to miss stuff. And, uh, you know, they could miss a charging call that, you know, puts the other team up by two. They could miss a reap um, that would have you would have won by DQ. But you have to go on. You know, life's not fair. Stuff is going to happen. And uh, you can sit there and complain about it. You can... Uh, you know, get in a bad mood and, and not perform to the level that you should, or you can just, Hey, give it everything you've got. I I'm now into some adversity. I'm going to find a way to climb this mountain and uh, come out on top. So, uh, I, I love this quote and I think it's something that is going to be very helpful if you react the right way in life in on the mat, on the basketball court, uh, you know, in the firehouse, anywhere you're at, it's definitely going to help you out. Yeah, and this, if you react positively. Yeah, th- this quote, uh, the way you explained it, Joe, I really like that. How, how do you react? How do you react when things don't go your way? And you're going to see this in the interview with Lachlan. Uh, he, <laughs> he 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 lost his his match in in his weight class, and he put his name in the hat to do absolute. And he was really hoping not to get one of these giant monsters. You know, he wanted a match that was a little bit closer to his weight class. Obviously, that's what any of us would hope for in our first match of Absolute. No, <laughs> didn't go his way. He got not just the person from the heaviest weight class, but the person that won that division in his opening round at the Absolute division. Man, what you couldn't ask for like a worse matchup. You know, like statistically. Uh, you would say who would be the worst matchup? Well, probably the person that won the heaviest division. Boom, and uh, that's who got first. <laughs> and uh, didn't go the, the brackets didn't go his way, but they sure did. Ultimately, he approached it with the attitude of, you know what, I'm gonna get out there and do my game. And if I could I get some leg entanglements and get some get some shots at him, uh, I think I have a good chance. That's exactly what he did, and he did that three different times uh, during the course of the absolute division. And uh, it really had he not only has an amazing uh, experience, you know, meddling at ADCC, but He's got one of the coolest stories coming out of this year's uh, ADCC. You know, like I was there in the audience. That was the loudest time that it 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 it, it was never was louder when he tapped out uh, those three guys from the heavyweight division. Um, each time it got louder, it seemed like it, the crowd was just more supportive and everything. Like that was awesome. And 
and and and he could have mentally shut down before that match even started. Like, I wouldn't fault him for that. That's a thing. Like, look across the mat. Here you are. I don't know what he maybe 170 pounds, and there's a guy who's 240. And 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 this this is for ADCC you know history. Like this guy's gonna come over here and murder me. Uh, how you approach this with your attitude, and uh, and how he approached it was perfect, and uh, and it put him in the history books. So yeah, and I do. I, I'm gonna try to fish out some more Greg Popovich quotes for the next coming weeks because uh, legendary coach. And I think that uh, here in in the jiu-jitsu world, we could you know there's a lot to learn from other sports and and pulling in information from other coaches uh, like this one. Uh, has a lot of value. You know, the crazy thing is, uh, you know, we've talked about Greg Popovich on here three or four times. He's probably like Googling his name to see what comes <laughs> up. And it's like, it used to be Greg Popovich basketball. Now it's popping up Greg Popovich BJJ. And he's like, what the heck is BJJ? And he's starting to Google that. <laughs> so now he's probably over there talking to his team. And he's like, Hey man, I got a great quote here from Lachlan Giles. And, uh, you know, telling his team about some jujitsu quotes. So who knows? Maybe uh, we've started a revolution. We've started something, Gary. <laughs> but if, <laughs> I don't know about a revolution. If but. you've just started jujitsu, we do have an audio book for you. Gary, what, what is this audio book? You know, we have an audio book by the one, the only, Byron Jabara. Actually, two audio books. Uh, you've got an audio book, Six Games for BJJ. And your first year of BJJ. And, and I'm going to talk about the first year of BJJ because you talk about if you just started. Um, our goal in this podcast, besides having fun, is to uh, grow jujitsu. And uh, the way to grow jujitsu is to get more people training and keep these people training. And uh, you always hear about uh, people dropping out of jujitsu early. And, uh, you know, I know that was one of the goals of when Byron created this this. Uh, audio book and uh it's basically two and a half hours long um it's going to walk you through uh that first year uh you know the pitfalls you're going to hit the barriers that are going to come up and just very helpful information you know like finding finding the right school which i think is very important uh you know some some smaller cities smaller towns may only have one place to train but if you do uh, live in a bigger area live in a jiu-jitsu hotbed you have a ton of different options and uh, it's important to find the gym that fits best for you uh, instead of just taking the first gym that uh, you walk into so he's going to talk about that and uh, you know another big thing is we we hear it all the time but you know just the benefits of jiu-jitsu and it's it's kind of neat to uh, you know I guarantee you, you got somebody in our, your gym because I, I know numerous people, but, you know, started jujitsu, you know, lost a whole bunch of weight, got more flexible, got better shape, and now they're not on blood pressure medicine anymore or, you know, s- some medicine they are not on anymore. But, uh, you know, there's a ton of benefits of jujitsu that are not only going to make you better at jujitsu, it's going to, you know, make your life better. Um, so check it out. We have a link to it in the shop, the BJJ Brick Shop. You can get either one of those audio books there along with a couple other things. So, um, you know, great job, Byron. Well, thanks, Gary. And uh, I, I want to bring you guys the off-the-mat lesson this week and, and throw it out to see what you guys think. <laughs> uh, I had an interesting week. I took a four-day uh, class called Instructor's Course, and it, it's done by the local sheriff's office here um, in in this county, but it really is a state program that they do a couple times a year. 
and it's 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 basically for law enforcement. And if you want to become an instructor, it, it's an instructor development course. If you want to become an instructor, that you you need to take this class first, and it teaches you kind of how to teach, teaches you about adult learning, teaches you about dealing with adult trouble students like Gary and and, and people that hey, cause hey. Uh, sit in the back of the classroom and cause trouble, and uh, <laughs> and and those you know. Everything it teaches you how to use PowerPoint effectively and all this stuff. And, yes, I, I hate to interrupt here, but why are you taking a law enforcement instructor class? You you are a firefighter. That's that became the issue. <laughs> so I actually um, this is a four day course. I had to work a couple of these days, so I got some time off of work to to, to do this class as well. But um, yeah, I was invited to take the class, and and okay. it was kind of a unique situation. Because I have such connections with with local law enforcement and, and getting on the mats with those guys and, and and helping develop their their ground fighting abilities and their defensive tactics skills, and and it was kind of a win win for both of us for for both groups. You know, if I'm going to be instru- helping instruct law enforcement, I should probably go through this instructor development course and that sort of thing. So I'm in this class, and there's people that work in prison. You know, like that kind of you know guard the. The, the prison there's people that are you know beat cops there's there's people that are you know all over the state small town police officers and and uh you know highway patrol like like i don't know a lot of different uh, bureaus and all those i'm the only one that's from fire <laughs> so did they make fun of you uh, did they make fun of me Gary? <laughs> 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 that's that was the uh that was like the main thing that that if, if you want to make a joke crack it at me and, yeah. and that's perfectly fine. I sat in the back, or I sat, I guess I was sitting, it was a science scene, but I was towards the back. And I smiled, and I laughed. Some of the jokes are funny, and, and kind of, <laughs> you know, take the take the punishment as I get it. And uh, it, it, there was a lot of presenting in the class. So you have to get up and, and, and demonstrate something, or show something, or explain something, or talk about yourself to help get you used to teaching a class. And, and every time I go up there, I'd start go up there, tell kind of start with a joke, and uh, and then and then do my thing, and and just the the whole it was it was it felt playful to me. Like when they were teasing me and making fun of me, that was pretty playful. And I got a couple of guys came up to me and it's like, man, after like day three, man, I gotta hand it to you. Uh, you know, when they when they're hammering on you, you're just smiling and having a good time. And and I didn't even consider any other option, <laughs> like. It, you know, if a joke's funny about me, I'm good with that. That's good. If it's not funny, well, you had a dumb joke, or whatever. But uh, to, to take those uh, that little bit of teasing or whatever with a smile and, and to throw a little bit back or whatever, that's that's how you play that game. And I was in a room with 25 to 30 police officers or law enforcement officers, you know, often picking on me as the only one. But it was it was fun, and I'm in there doing you know uh, swinging back with what I've got and. Uh, and some of them were just shocked that I didn't get upset ever or uh, care. And it's just like, no, come in there and have fun. Same thing on jiu-jitsu. Like, if you think about how tough you are as a person, most of your friends choke you or attack you. or do, like That's an unusual trait. So when you go into a room that maybe seemed as kind of hostile, maybe not everybody's on your same page or whatever, but we're on the same page on this. I mean, we're, we're for public service. But uh, when people are picking on you, just remember, for fun, you're going to go – and get choked. So you're tougher than you think you are. And uh, just to end this, <laughs> uh, last day uh, I brought donuts for the for the class. <laughs> they were uh, one guy's like, "Man, sweet donuts!" And the other guy's like, "He's making fun of us." <laughs> but they were good, and everybody enjoyed awesome. them. So. 
Yeah, uh, that Byron was, got the last laugh. Well, they all got to have donuts too, so they enjoyed them because they they are quite <laughs> fond of donuts. I heard I like I heard you guys liked. I don't know what you guys like, but I hear this is what you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just approach something kind of odd or something you know unique with a with a good attitude, and and everybody you know we all ended it as friends, like obviously, but um, some of them were surprised and and really impressed with with how that was done. But there's no other way to do it. Have fun. Byron, though, that goes back to the quote. You know, Greg Popovich's measure of who you are is how you react to something that doesn't go your way. And, uh, you know, here uh, you're in a class with, uh, you know, 25 police officers and they're making fun of you constantly. You know, everything's not really going your way, but uh, you impressed a lot of those guys by the rate by your calmness, by your, you know, going along with it instead of uh, getting mad. You could have got mad and stormed out and not brought donuts. And, uh, you know, if you wouldn't have been as popular as you were. And I got a couple of them thinking about becoming a firefighter. (laughs) (laughs) That's real. (laughs) You know, I got a little quick story um, about Byron becoming a firefighter that we – would train with a bunch of police officers and a bunch of firefighters. And that's kind of how Byron, you know, got some connections uh, before Byron was a firefighter. But I remember uh, when he was talking about becoming a firefighter, the, the police officers were all trying to get Byron to become a police officer. And the firefighters were all trying to get Byron to become a firefighter. So they were all pulling, you know, him back and forth, you know, wanting him on, wanting him on their side. And now I realize now that Byron's become a firefighter, they're all trying. All the firefighters are now trying to become, get him to become a police officer. Yeah, they're pushing me into these police classes to get me out of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why they sent him to the class. Oh man, yeah. How times have changed. Uh, Joe alluded to it uh, that you talked about Lachlan uh, and, and how much you've learned from him, Gary. Uh, say that man. on the air. What, how have yeah. you? Uh, he's got a YouTube channel. He's got, He's got a YouTube channel, and uh, the YouTube channel is incredible. It's uh, Absolute MMA St. Kilda. And um, the way I found it is, you know, I talked that I'm a, a Kimura guy. And, man, he blew me away. He's got a half-guard Kimura uh, video. And, uh, you know, I saw it a couple years ago, and, uh, and you know, I've added that the whole thing to my game. I spent probably a year working uh, – you know, everything he has on there. But, you know, so every time I'm just looking for something new, I go to his, uh, to his YouTube channel. His YouTube channel is insane. Um, what I like about him is first of all, how calm he is, just the way he talks. Um, you know, it's easy to follow along. Um, he just, I've never a guy who says, you know, Hey, this is a guy I want to train with. But, uh, after watching his stuff, that's the guy like I guess a bucket list maybe to go to Australia and train with him sometime. Um, you know, he just seems like the most welcoming, most incredible instructor. Um, but everything he does, he, he really goes in depth and a guy that doesn't pick stuff up quickly. Like I do a guy, you know, I'm, I'm a slow learner. I have to see stuff over and over and I have to know the background of stuff. Um, just the way he teaches, uh, just, really just works great for me um but uh that his his stuff he shares on youtube is absolutely phenomenal it's uh check his youtube page out and uh you guys will be thinking i'm the best person ever for telling you about this if you haven't already seen it 
Well, I just I just subscribed, so thank you, Gary. Yeah, yeah, and then also he's got some DVDs out. Um, yeah, BJJ Fanatics has a bunch of stuff with him, and you, you can't go wrong. Like I said, the way he teaches is just incredible. Yeah, and and his newest one is is on his fifty uh, fifty. Uh, leg locks and man what a guy to share yep. this knowledge because he de- definitely displayed it yep. hey speaking before you start the interview you're talking about his bjj fanatics uh 50 50 leg locks the crazy thing is right before we went on air you know i'm pulling up byron's show notes um that came to me uh, here this morning and right as i'm reading the show notes i get an email from info at bjj fanatics and it's talking about our brand new product leg lock anthology by uh, Lachlan Giles. So uh, you definitely have to check that out too. But he's got a bunch of stuff there on BJJ Fanatics that is that will definitely take your game to a different level. All right, check that out. Here's an interview with Lachlan. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. When he is training and nature calls, a horse comes to see him. If you take his back, you might notice him holding up a little rear view mirror. Objects in his mirror are just as close as they appear. He has never needed to remove clothing just to make weight, but he does anyway. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Lachlan Giles back to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Lachlan, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. To, yeah, I'm excited to have you. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, uh, last time we talked, I really enjoyed talking about uh, some of your coaching methods and and some of that. But we do have uh, some things that have changed since then, as far as uh, what you've been doing on the mats. But if somebody hasn't heard of you yet, maybe they they didn't even watch ADCC. Do you have us a little introduction, kind of where you're training and, and what you're up to? Yeah. So um, I. I've been training for 17 years now, jiu-jitsu. Um, I train out of um, train out of Melbourne, Australia. That's I'm basically based here. I, I don't do any of my training camps really overseas. I have done that before in the past, just before some some major comps. But um, yeah, so I, I out of my black belt for seven years, been complete, competing a lot every year, and happened to have a really good performance uh, this year at um, at ADCC 2019. So yeah, I was very happy with that. Yeah, I, th- I think everybody was happy with that. <laughs> Maybe not <laughs> a few other competitors, but uh, you know, being there in the building as well um, d- during some of your performances, that we'll, and we'll get to that for sure. Uh, it was the the loudest point in time, I think, during the whole event. Uh, several of the loudest points were, were owned by you. Um, I guess let's just get right to that. Uh, t- so which, what weight class are you in? Uh, 77 kilos. Okay. Yeah. And you, you, you got, how did you, did you, you got, you won the qualifier for that and you got into that. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, it was, it was an interesting lead up to the ADCC trials actually. Um, normally we have two Asia Oceania trials. Um, so you have two chances to get into ADCC. Um, and what happened was the first one was in Kazakhstan actually um and we flew there well actually the day before we flew there um we got this um uh, it got announced that those trials had been cancelled um which was <laughs> pretty 
we didn't know what to do. We were like, well, we're leaving tomorrow. Like, is this definitely canceled or not? Like, it's kind of like, I think it was a, um, a Facebook post or something had, had come up saying it was canceled. And we're like, we ended up flying there anyway. Um, and they ran a tournament, but it wasn't actually a, um, a trials for, for ADCC. So, um, then I had to, so basically we had one chance to, to get in, which was the Asia trials. And obviously, uh, you know, it's something I've been preparing for for a while. And just, just like in the main event, when you got one chance, like one mistake can, can mess you up. So I was pretty, you know, I was pretty, um, nervous leading into the, to the trials themselves. And they were in Japan. Um, and yeah, I won the, managed to win the, the trials there. So that got me my, my ticket to ADCC. And, and so who'd you get your first round? In the trials? Or no, in, I'm sorry. Um, opening ADCC in Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, in the sorry, in my weight division? Yeah. Um, so in 77 kilos, I had Lucas Lepre first round. Um, and that was a – I lost that match. Um, I actually thought it would be potentially be a good matchup for me. Um, obviously, I mean, it's hard to say that when you've got potentially the, the greatest lightweight of all time. <laughs> uh, standing across from you, um, but uh, I, I I was pretty confident that he's not working his leg lock defense. You know, um, I, I I think his strategy was to stay away from you know keep his legs out and try and play the um, the more IBGF style game. Um, so it was a I thought, geez, if I can get to his legs, I'm going to have a, a good chance at this. Uh, but I didn't. <laughs> um, he was uh, he was very very aware of his inside positioning with his with his legs and constantly pummeling i had a few nice attempts but uh he eventually um he eventually got in with a kneecap pass i think i got well as one because he was because he's very very good and two i i think i got a bit too eager to like um try to get to his legs that um that i left an opening for an underhook and he came in with a knee cut and that was um it was pretty bad news after that he took my back and i couldn't escape yeah, but it was a it was a close match the the entire time. But um, I think you said it was, it was were... quite good up until the knee cut, and then it was really bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It was a. I mean, uh, yeah. And that's uh, that... some things I would do differently if I if I had to. Like I I think I from my perspective I I probably tried to play a little too much from reverse Delaheva instead of the. You saw my Delaheva game more in the open weight, and I was trying to play from reverse Delaheva. I have like a bunch of entries from there. Um from reverse Delaheva as well as Delaheva. Um, and I was trying to play reverse Delaheva, but I think that's probably a little too close to um, Lucas's best thing, which is his kneecap pass. So I think that's probably where I, um, well, one mistake I would try, try to put an extra layer in by playing um, Delaheva first. Okay. So uh, that was that was the first day um, for, for competing there. And, and it's like many people experience in many tournaments, half the people lose the first match. Um, that, that couldn't, I think you talked to somebody and you said that you weren't real happy with performance. Um, you know, you've definitely trained hard for this event and to, to, to get on the mat and lose your first match. Um, that's, yeah. how did that, how did that sit with you? How did that feel? I mean, it was, you were definitely competitive in there against a very, uh, amazing competitor, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was very, I was very disappointed, obviously. Um, it's pretty, yeah. Uh, I mean, it really, so you get the thing is like, I mean, there'd be so many stories just like that, and they, in the, you know, in the in the tournament of people who had a lot of potential to do really well, and then they didn't get a chance to do that on the second day. You know, I was luckier that I had my my performance on the second day, but you know, that's 
like I, I I knew in the gym I'd been training really well and and you know you've got like the people that you roll with you know there's people that you roll with and you can kind of tell how you're going and I feel like just in the last six months my game had gone up heaps you know just I'd improved a lot and I was really looking forward to showing that and then to you know to have to have that loss and then realize like okay now it's two years till I get another chance at ADCC and I'm 33 years old now so that makes me 35 like you know I know it's not as much as I I love competing but like it is actually not like training for competition at that intensity is not a good long-term thing for your body now I think you can you can do like jiu-jitsu quite healthily by by training at a, a much more reasonable training load but when you're trying to push your body to be ready for competition it's usually not a long-term healthy thing so I was thinking geez at 35 am I gonna you know am I gonna be slowing down do I do it do I want to push myself for that and so yeah it was a it was a pretty rough uh thing to go through but yeah so that's that kind of <laughs> made motivated me I think to, to give it another go in the open weight and see if I could show something that I'd been working on yeah yeah, that that hard training, hard on your body. That's the main reason why I'm not doing ADCC. That and the lack of skill and ability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, it's it's it's, 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 a, it's an interesting way to think of it. When you've already done all that hard work and all that training, you're you're in theory like you're peak performing in this in these few days that you've you've kind of toned everything up to be. Hey, might as well do it. I don't have to do. You didn't have to do a whole other uh, set of training, like a camp, in order to get ready for the absolute. You just, oh, I'm already ready for it. As as ready as I'm gonna be. Let's let's go ahead and do this. Yeah. And I was so w- when they 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 run the tournament, and then uh, they, they they pause everything for it, it seemed like an hour, maybe forty five minutes to to make the the bracket for the absolute division. And I and and I you know walk back to the. Uh, to the warm-up area, to the mats there. I got like a little pass. I can get back there and, and see what was happening. And it was interesting because a lot of people, it seemed like they were looking for people to do it. Where is my impression was if you get bronze, silver, or gold, you can do it. And then maybe they'll let a few in that, that didn't place that way. But they were asking people like, hey, you want to do it? And people were like really on the fence about it and really didn't um, – like a lot of hesitation, it seemed like. How how was that? Did they approach you with this, or or how did that go? Yeah, I think they. I mean, I think they. I'm trying to think. I, I actually don't know what their thought process is. I assume um, that they would first make sure they they have all the the top seeds in the the bracket, or at least like you know, it's obviously um, optional. Some people don't want to. Yeah, you know, they've done their weight division and they don't want to do the open weight, and that's fine. Um, but I assume they want to make sure there's as many good people in it as possible. And I, I think they like to throw a few wild cards in as well, you know, to see some, some, um, matchups like that, you know, like, um, uh, for example, you know, it was out of, there was also, I know Craig wasn't doing it, but there was, um, another guy from absolute where I trained Ben. He's, he was in the 99 kilo division. He, he put his name down, but they didn't, um, select him and they selected me at 77 kilos. So they must've, um, yeah, they must. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they thought my leg lock game might be interesting to to see amongst the big guys, or I'm not, I'm not sure the process. But yeah, so I managed to to get in there, which was which was ended up being really good. Yeah, it was just interesting for me to to be back there and and to see some of the athletes turn it down or have a big like, should I do it? They, you know, coach, should I do it or should I not? Like, I would think if given the opportunity. 
uh, some of the guys I was listening debate this were really on the fence about it. Like, it seems like it would be like, yes, <laughs> but you wouldn't yeah. expect somebody coming from one of the lighter 77 or 66 to, to just jump on that opportunity. <laughs> and, uh, to be honest, I know I normally wouldn't. I, I've, I've only ever competed open weight in Australia. I've actually, I've actually always done quite well, uh, in the open. I don't know why, like when I, when I go against, um, larger opponents, it's always been, uh, I've always put on a pretty good performance in the, in the past. Um, the only international open, like I'll say open weight, uh, time I fought someone heavier was like a super fight against Hassam Rita, who's uh, from Japan. He's the guy from, that was fought on, um, Quintet. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always actually avoided the open weight because I kind of thought it was too high likely, like especially internationally where you're going to have these really athletic um, competitors. I always thought it was, it was maybe a bit too high chance of getting injured, but I was I was there and I was frustrated. I, fe- I felt like I was, I'd been training good. And and on top of that, Mo, the organizer, had he, he told me the night before, he's like, oh, if you go in the open weight, there's more chance they'll consider you for an invite next time. Um, so some people get invited to ADCC, yeah. obviously, and some people have to, in, oh, and, and so otherwise you've got to go through the trials. And I was like, oh, if there's a chance it saves me having to do the trials again, <laughs> then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give it a go. Would the invite be before the trials, though? <clears throat> uh, some people get invited yeah. be- before or after. Yeah. I think I might have secured an invite. I'm not I think, really I think sure, so. but I think, yeah. <laughs> They'll want you back there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's a but, – but a lot of people get invited. I don't know how many get invited before the trials. Uh, I think maybe if you medal or something like that, which which you did, um, th- th- they were likely to be get that. But a, a lot of times people, you know, somebody drops out and then they, they invite somebody that just kind of – they have amazing brackets and they and the people that they are inviting – uh, at the last minute, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and people just say yes, you know. But, okay, so y- you said yes to the absolute uh, division, which is a little uncharacteristic for you, um, is, is kind of how you're describing that. And, you know, if you look at the at the division and you say, okay, how, who has the toughest m- match, first match? Maybe you would look at the heavyweight person, and maybe you look at the person who won the heavyweight division, <laughs> and like that's probably yep. the worst match of anybody to have to to start with, and that's that's who you got. Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny. The night before, uh, speaking to Mo because he's he he, he's, he was uh, organizing the event or helping him organize the event, and he said, "Do you want to do the open weight?" We were talking about that invite. I said, "Yeah, but can you not give me?" I said, all right, I'll probably do it, but can you not give me someone like Bushesha? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said because I was like, I don't want to get injured. So he gives me Kanan, which is probably just as bad. Uh, yeah. So I think when I saw that bracket come out, I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. And it was it's kind of just odd seeing uh, somebody like your size and build and then somebody like him across the mat from you there. And uh, what was that like? Just the, the before the match, like what was the self talk? What was your your thoughts before that even started? Well, I knew, like, uh, I, I knew I wasn't going to, um, you know, sweep past his guard, take his back, and and choke him and win that way. I figured I've, I've been working my wrestling a lot. Like, I'm actually I didn't get to use it at all at the tournament, but I'd actually like, man, I think I trained more wrestling than jujitsu in the past two years, actually. Um, so I was confident in my wrestling, but not not against. I think like when there's a, a 22 kilo 
or over you know, over twenty. You know, I actually don't actually know what the weight difference was, but um, when it when it's when it's that big of a weight difference, I think it's pretty hard to out wrestle someone. So I knew that if I, my my best chance is going to be to try and get to the legs. Um, so uh, that's that was my game plan, um, and it happened to work. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, the weight difference is about fifty pounds, and I don't know how heavy he actually was. He was over uh, ninety nine. He's over ninety nine, so yeah, it's hard to know what he actually weighed. But so yeah. it, it, you knew a lot of ways that you you weren't going to win. <laughs> like if you yeah. like watching the heavyweights uh, compete, a lot of their matches are standing, trying to get uh, you know either points for a takedown or just be on top and. Uh, th- that was a lot of a lot of heavyweight matches, and that didn't happen at all in your match. You didn't play that. You're like, I'm not playing that game. That would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think I would. Um, uh, I'd be able to win in, in in that sort of match. I, th- I feel like strength matters more. Yeah. Um, in stand up than it does um, potentially from guard. And yeah. so, what? It, it was a heel hook. It was it's from fifty uh, fifty. Yes. Yeah. Can you describe how um, how you get to that a little bit? Yeah, so I mean, I, I sort of talked through the, the first match, yeah, that that match. Um, I know I, yeah, so I think in the warm up area, I saw Kanan warming up, and he was kind of stepping into Delaheva, um, and he kind of works. He actually, he actually is somewhat of a little guy's game. Like he, he kind of goes in Delaheva if you invert. He'll often use crab ride and work towards the back, which is um. Which is a obviously a very effective game throughout different weight divisions. Interesting to see someone at um, at the heavyweight doing that same game. Um, but just just uh, I saw the way he was entering it, just like as he was warming up. I saw how he was stepping into for his guard passes. I'm like, all right, that gives me like a chance to to play my De La Hiva game. You know, like if I can if I can get there, I'm going to have a chance at my entry. Will it work? I don't know. Um, and so so that's kind of what happened. He he stepped in. Um, I went uh, underhook Delaheva. He stacked me pretty good, and then went for for crab ride. He got actually, I think, kind of did did very well. He almost got my my back at the start. It was one of those things where like I get a grip on the leg, and they'll either often get my back or I get attached to the leg. Like it, with the way he um, did this this crab ride thing, I've I've got people at the gym who do the who do that same. Um, move that, that Kanan was doing so I was, it wasn't unexpected for me but it's probably actually one of the best counters to to the the system that I that I play as in like um I was, I was quite aware of it that can and it can end up bad for me if I don't uh put a bunch of blocks in and, and he got quite close to to my my grip slipping on his leg but I managed to uh kind of recover from that and into the leg entanglement but he escaped from that uh, I think I had another t- attempt at I got into 50-50 at some point when he was standing and he managed to slip from that. And then the next time I got that same De La Hiva, um, and, and I call it modified you know, or a shallow K-guard entry. Um, and that time I managed to, to secure the heel hook. So he kind of, um, as I entered that time, we, he ended up like sitting back and trying to scoot back, pummeling his leg in. And I sort of actually caught the, this is something I do that's a little different with my leg locks, but I am, um, I, I often will try to catch the heel first and then catch the knee line, and that's something that happened with with Kanan. And what I, what I like about that style is um, a lot of people don't expect it. They feel like they're safe because their knee is free, um, and then once I catch the heel, it's just one step away from uh, being on. So if you see that, if you watch that match, I 
his his knee line was free. I I did this little thing I call the elbow hop, and I, I dug the heel, connected my hands, and then as soon as my leg shoots over, I've got the knee line, and I'm bridging into the to the to the heel hook. Um, so he obviously was pretty happy with that <laughs> performance. So it was it was he probably felt felt a little safer than he actually was because his he felt his knee was free. Yes. Yeah, okay. that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, I think um, that, that's uh, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, I think the positioning I'm using is, uh, is, is for these sort of setups is quite sound anyway. So obviously, yeah, in training, people can people can know exactly what I'm doing, and I'll and I'll often still still get it just because I'm 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 controlling. I suppose like what is commonly taught is to try and control the knee or the hip yeah. line, and then you and then you separate the legs and you dig the heel. I'm essentially controlling them by like below the knee, so I'll have um, pressure in around the shin and the and the ankle, which prevents them scooting back, and, and it can often give me a chance to dig the heel. And then the, once you get the heel hook grip, um, that's actually a grip in a certain way that that prevents them from flee, fleeing. And when they can't flee, then basically I can start opening my legs and and uh, shooting my legs in to to catch the knee line. If that makes sense? Yeah, it, this is, and I'm excited you're you're coming out with the DVD. But by the time this releases, it'll be out. I'm excited to see it. Uh, kind of explaining this this exact process. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I mean, I want oh, me to talk about the instruction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so uh, I've got. Um, I kind of I put it in in layers, right? So the the way I structured it was, um, and I think I go into a lot of things that I don't know have been touched on before, like how to how to um, what my approach is when I don't have the knee line, like how am I trying to dig the heel and so on? Because I kind of have a, a system from there, but I essentially kind of go through the main concepts and and general leg locking concepts, not not even specific to fifty fifty, just like what how do you what what's important when you when you want to uh, get a leg lock? How do you apply a heel hook? Um, how do you? What are the main counters to the heel hook, and what are the main ways that we prevent them from being able to counter the the heel hook? Um, so then we then I go into fifty fifty. Um, so kind of my strategy when we're in the fifty fifty. Another position I call outside Senkaku, which is um, an up. I basically consider it an upgrade from fifty fifty. I just put a video out on this uh, very recently, but um, it's it's uh, essentially I've got like um. 50-50, potentially your opponent can attack you, uh, although if you're better at it than them, then that's unlikely to occur. Um, and uh, whereas when we get to this outside Senkaku, you're basically completely safe from their their attacks and you've still got the same ability to attack them. Um, so it's, a, it's an improvement in the in the position. Um, after that, I then go through like uh, what, what do you do when you've kind of lost the knee line? How do we start trying to dig the heel and, and recover? So that some of those things uh, from there, um, what do you do when someone's standing? What do you do when you're on top? Um, and then some other sweeping and attacking options, uh, sweeps and passes out of the 50-50 as well. Um, I go through how to deal with the other leg locking positions. So obviously my focus is on 50-50 and, and outside and coke. That's pretty much all I look for these days. Um, Obviously, if I land in the saddle, I'll, I'll attack from there. But I, I will my entries and everything. I want to get to 50-50 or outside some kickoff. I find that for me works works a lot better. Um, and, and you probably when you see the instructional, you'll you'll see why that is the the case. Um, after that, I then go. So then I go through how to counter the other leg locking styles because obviously if you're 
trying to play the leg game and they're trying to play the leg game, then you want to make sure um, that you can force your game to to win. Um, and then I go into entries, so a bunch of different entries um, to, to the position. So you obviously saw – you basically mostly saw my De La Hiva and K-Guard entries. I also do from um, reverse De La Hiva, and you can use um, – inside positioning to get to 50-50 as well. So butterfly and single X and so on is is, is also another way to, to get there. So it's it's pretty comprehensive. It's well it's very comprehensive. It's yeah, it's a bit over twelve that's uh, a bit over ten hours uh, footage uh, for this instructional. So wow. yeah. It's I suppose like when you've got such a large amount of footage, it's really important that it's well structured. So I think that's like I want to make <laughs> that point. It's actually because uh, it's 12, 10 hours of footage that's um that's kind of just random like is useless but i structure it very well it's very easy to navigate and uh you know when you're looking for a technique or you've got a particular problem it should be very easy to locate exactly what you're looking for without kind of having to go through hours of footage to to find it yeah that's you so uh i'm excited to see this one i'm going to see as soon as it comes out i hope but the the body lock uh, past DVD that you you have with BJJ Fanatics, uh, and that's where this one's coming out through uh, as well. Um, but uh, you you do a, I like your teaching style a lot. Uh, oh, thank you. Great at showing the technique and and explaining what's happening. And then like sometimes you watch a instructional DVD and they just show you how how great the technique is. But it didn't take you that long in the in the body lock style. It's like here's what they're gonna do, and here's what you need to be ready for. You know, like they might be able to sweep you this way, and, and oh, okay. So like, I think that some instructors would just say, "Here's how you do it. There you go." And it's and it like this is a great pass to do, and it is a great pass. I, I saw the body lock pass a ton at ADCC, um, so that was also motivating to get you know onto that one and, and to learn the details behind that. But you really show both sides. You need, you need to be thinking about what your opponent is trying to do and how to react to that. Yeah. You gave some great training tips about you know what's giving you trouble and how to adjust, uh, you know, and, and how to just bring that into like a learning style of of uh, of, of rolling on the mats. And uh, I'm excited yeah. for this next one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's how I think you should learn jiu-jitsu anyway. Like, I basically try to make the instructionals uh, work in the same way that, that you should learn jiu-jitsu. Like you're, you've got a move that you're trying, you're like the, which, which I actually label in, in my instructionals, I'll often label it as, as a primary attack. That's that's kind of... Okay. Um, so it's, it's to be labeled as primary attack. So, oh, okay, that's the one I should look for first. When I get to this position, I want to do this. And then, uh, of course, when you go to do that, there's... Obviously, hopefully it works, but there's a lot of time people are going to start to work out solutions and, and problems to try to deal with that. And then um, based off that, you know, like I've got a bunch of very common or basically anything I can – anything that I feel is is common, like ways that people defend, I will um, I will have that. Like how do you deal with these particular problems? You know, for, for example, with the body lock, you know, like we're going for our body lock. There's the way we do it, and then there's like what do you do if they're pushing on your leg – you know, at a certain stage, we've got the stages of the pass, and at each stage, there's different different problems. So, what do you do if they push on your leg? If they push your head? If they go for the uh, omoplata? If they go for a guillotine? Like, how do, how are we defending and and preventing these things from occurring during the way? So, yeah. Wow. Um, so I, I kind of derailed us. <laughs> You're talking about your match with Kynan. Um So one thing for as a spectator, I didn't have a bracket. I didn't know how this was lined up. I saw you down there with Kynan. I'm like, man. 
he got a he got a tough draw on that one. Wonder who he gets next. <laughs> Not an easy next match either, as far as uh, ability. There's no easy match to the ADCC, but another person from the uh, over ninety nine uh, weight class, right? Pat with Patrick. Yes. Could you walk Patrick us through that Gaudier, match a little yeah. bit? Yeah. So, well, he, uh, I should say for this one, he was um he just had a pretty tough match with um, Mike Perez that he that he won. Um, so, I think like. Someone said, "Oh, you're fighting the winner of these guys as they as they were competing." And then, like, they finished that match. I think it was a real hard wrestling match. And uh, I saw afterwards, Patrick was like lying on the ground, you know, trying to recover. I'm like, "Oh, this is good. <laughs> He's tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent." Um, uh, but I think they gave us like 15 minutes, which is I know as a competitor, it's enough to get some wind back but you still if you're that tired especially as a as a heavyweight you're, you're going to still be feeling the effects of of that match so uh, i think you probably see that if you watch the match he he was a little bit more passive at, at the start you know i think he was trying to pick his um pick his times to to attack um and i think he came in a lot of the time he was on his knees um uh, occasionally would 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 stand up um but i think he knew my, my plan was to get to the to the leg so i had a few nice entries that um, just as I was trying to catch, he, he managed to like kind of escape and and back away. Um, and then I think he got a passivity warning from the the ref because he was kind of moving away from the um, from the match a little bit. Um, and after that, when he got that passivity warning, I think I was playing Delaheaver and I went to spin under, and he went to sit back sit back for my leg. Um, and as he went to sit for for my leg, I managed to pummel my own leg through and pull us through into fifty fifty. Um, and then he went to turn out of the fifty fifty, and I, I ended up in this position, which is the same position I got Ali from, uh, where he's kind of we're both facing downwards, and I'm able to lever the foot up and and dig the heel from there. And once we had that, obviously, I managed to get the the finish. So I was <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm in the semi-final of the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now into the semi-final of ADCC Openweight. This is r- ridiculous. That was, that was what I was thinking to myself. Wow. And uh, Yeah, and a, an amazing path uh, to get there. Uh, so then uh, next up you have Gordon Ryan. Um, what were your thoughts yeah. going into that? Uh, similar. You know, I thought if I, you know, obviously he's, he's more well-versed in the, the leg lock game, but I thought that was still my best chance to yeah. to catch him, you know, Um yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't think I was going to pass his guard and and choke him, um, so the you know, or, or take him. I thought uh, maybe we could. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's uh, obviously he's shown he's very very good everywhere. You know, I, th- I feel like he's very well rounded, uh, but the area I could I could have the best chance would yeah. be with the legs. So that was my that was my plan. And that's I mean, just for everybody out there, um, it, it, figure out what part of your game looks the best against their game. And just try to get to that part of your game, and and like you were saying, if you could, if you can get there, you you feel good. Um, you, you know that there's lots of like you couldn't have wrestled the first two guys and probably won. I don't I don't know how well your wrestling is, but that's an exhausting game against two people who are like fifty pounds heavier than you. Uh, if you like, let's just say you did that in the first round and won, you would have been exhausted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, knowing your game is a big deal, and knowing how it's going to match up against your competitors is also a big part of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, just being, um, and it, yeah, so it's, I think it's definitely worth taking the time to 
whatever you your game is, like really be, try to become an expert at that. You know, you want to you want to go kind of go. Okay, no matter who it is, like I'm, I'm gonna have, gonna be confident to 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 play this game. Yeah, and and yeah. just talking with you now, you've spoken a lot about getting to the game is, is a big deal. And that's why I'm excited about the, the DVD as well. You know, finishing from there is one thing, but you got to get there. And that's, yeah. you know, if the best part of my game is is mount, I'm going to be in a world of trouble if I can't pass your guard or <laughs> if I can't right. sweep you. Like, it's not going to exist. <laughs> yeah. So uh, getting there yeah, is a the big deal. Yeah, very, very, very important, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, like, uh, especially with the leg, you know, you got to be very good at the entries. I, I kind of feel like, what happens a lot of the time in my leg locks is is often the I don't know what what way people are going to defend when I first um, when I first enter, um, but I start you start to kind of read their patterns and you start to anticipate where they're going to go and you can then catch them. Often on the sometimes you get into the legs and then like you're trying to do your what you're expecting them to do, but they go away you don't expect like they they turn a direction or use an escape that you weren't weren't expecting them to do, um, and you'll miss it. Um, but then you'll, once you know, like one, often once I say, okay, they like to like uh, pummel their foot in and try and kick free, or they like to turn to, to escape, or they like to stand up or whatever. Once I know that, it starts to become a bit intuitive, like when you're, when you're playing the leg lock game enough. But once I can anticipate the, the direction they're going to go, I have a much bigger chance to, um, to catch them the second or, th- or third time I, I get in. So having good entries will give me, uh, you know, multiple attempts at, at trying to catch it. You know, and I think even in those matches, like um, I think most of the matches I had, like that, I, that actually, I think in, in the open weight, like it was probably like my second or third attempt at at actually um, catching from a leg entanglement where I actually got it. So it was almost like yeah. you were you were gathering information on how they're going to react, and so that the next time, uh, if they do react the same way, you're 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 there for it, and you're getting that step ahead of them. Is that right? Yeah, and it's look, it's it's not always. Um, I, I I don't want to make it sound like I'm you know just like sitting there <laughs> you know, in my head like you know yeah. calculating this this exactly like obviously I, a lot of it becomes almost intuitive once you're once you're playing the game enough you just start to like like just in my head I'm like oh, okay they're going to turn that way you know and I'm and I'm already readying myself for um for the way they're going to do that yeah it's kind of like yeah, we have I'm, certain training partners some react reliably the same way all the time. And if you switched out somebody's body with somebody else, they would surprise me terribly, and I wouldn't have no like I wouldn't react right. But if I know yeah, what you're right. going to bring me, uh, or how you're going to react to my offense, it, it's uh, it's really helpful. So uh, Gordon Ryan, he did the same thing pretty much to everybody. He's he's able to get uh, back on pretty much everybody he rolled with, and, and and get a rear naked choke, and so that puts you in the bronze medal match with uh, Muhammad Ali. Another yep. another. <laughs> Uh, over 99, uh, weight class <laughs> as big as they get. Uh, how was that match? Yeah, it was, um, it was obviously, it was, it actually was, it was pretty quick in the end. <laughs> it was pretty daunting standing across him. He's a, he's a big guy. Um, he, he kind of stepped up on his, I remember like, um, from his posture, I was like, "Oh, he's giving me a little, like a little window to to invert under to the to the leg." So I went for, I think I went for his his left leg first, but he managed to to block that, and then um, and then he, I think he stood up on his right leg, and then let me get Delaheva, and I did that that same Delaheva based entry um, to get into 
um, into the 50-50 and we're in that same like um, kind of belly down position now. But he, uh, Ali reacted differently. He sat back on me, um, which, uh, which is, again, it's, it's something where I think you feel pretty safe, uh, especially if you've never um, sort of dealt with the way I approached the finishes from there. He would have felt pretty safe, but I have like a little trick where I, I can kind of like uh, use their foot to lever them off me a little bit and then, um, and then dig the heel from there so obviously <laughs> that was that was a a very surreal experience getting that that win and have, hearing the crowd was was just um it was incredible yeah i, I think I, honestly at the time i didn't realize like, like I, I was kind of in my head i was like oh yeah i've had some good wins you know like it's been a very good performance but i didn't realize like yeah that i was going to be like talked about <laughs> um, like like you know i didn't realize how uh, impactful i guess it was yeah yeah I mean, just anybody from your weight class getting a medal is a big deal, but it would be it would be a little different if you face other people from your weight class or maybe even one lower or you know. But no, you you hit hit these guys on on your path and and yeah, was a, they, they was weren't a good long down. matches. I mean, I don't know, three or four minutes at most. I can't remember, but not five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think they were they were all less than five, except the Gordon one. I think was obviously the one I lost was about yeah. seven or something. But yeah. So did at any point in time, uh, a, a lot of like from at least my experience, if somebody feels strong, they've also obtained a, a position to where um, they're able to really use their strength. Um, yeah. Did, did anybody like? really feel like oh man this guy's way stronger than me or because you were working your guard you felt like um the strength thing wasn't as big of an issue or what was that margin like yeah to be honest um i mean obviously they, they're all very strong yeah a lot stronger than i am um i i didn't notice it too much during the matches to be honest uh, but probably against like once gordon got his weight on me um he's probably the only one that got like a, a pressure sort of um, position on me to to do that um obviously once he got there it's like okay i'm going to struggle to you know obviously potentially the best well probably the best nogi grappler in the world right now who's a lot heavier than me uh in in my half guard with with underhooks <laughs> is um once, I, once i'm there it's it's a very tough um position to try to uh, work with but but pretty much if you watch the matches i always was working to have my the sole of my foot uh, attached somewhere on the bicep or or torso. So that's like I kind of feel like no matter how strong or, or heavy someone is, if you've got your your foot that stomping action to keep their their weight off you, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel it too much. Um, yeah. There's a few times where I was inverted um, and getting stacked a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, but I was still in a position in there where I was able to like frame and, and pummel my foot in and once my foot's in I feel like I can I can keep him away so um, I mean I've been the other thing is like in the lead up to this I was, I was stretching a lot as well I was doing okay. a lot of stretches uh, I, I, I kind of feel like it's something I didn't I don't know why I didn't used to do too much but um, my flexibility has improved a lot in the last year because of that but I do see that as just like it's an advantage you, everyone should have and if you're not that's it's kind of just laziness to not be flexible isn't it like if you're an elite competitor, there's no downside to doing mobility work and getting more mobile. There's really no downside to that at all. It doesn't make you sore. doesn't take away from the rest of your training. Um, like like I feel like um, doing weights and strength training actually 
impacts how much I can, how much jiu-jitsu I can do because I get sore, tired, potentially injured from from overload. Um, whereas doing stretches, it's really just like whether you can be bothered or not. <laughs> as, as an elite, as an elite yeah. competitor, you know, I think yeah, I, I don't necessarily think the average person is required to do that. <laughs> but it would help, and and you could do it. Yeah. Pretty much anytime you have some free time to, or you could, you know, if you're watching a movie or doing something, you know, Netflix, you could start, you could stretch as well. Uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so off the mat training, are you doing any, are you doing much like uh weight, uh, weight training, cardio training and any of that sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I don't do any, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I actually don't do weights. Um, okay. I did, to be honest, uh, or, or, or any, like for cardio, I do the wrestling for me was, was enough cardio. Okay. Um, for my weight, in terms of weights, I did actually, I should say, I, I in the lead up to ADCC, probably about three to four months out from ADCC, I was like, yeah, I should actually, like I, I normally don't do strength training, mostly because I don't enjoy it. <laughs> but three to four months, I was like, okay, I should get a bit stronger. Um, and I started, I did about four weeks of it and then I realized I don't enjoy it. And I didn't, you know what? You know, I like I, th- this is another thing I had different in my approach, which I actually think helped. But w- what was happening was I was doing a lot of wrestling, and wrestling is obviously much more physically um, like you get much more tired, like and it's pretty um, hard on the body as well. Um, and I, what I was finding was if I'm showing up to wrestling sore and and fatigued, I performing poorly like you do it you do a shot you like shoot in for the legs and try and finish a double leg or whatever and you'll put in like if you put in like 80 percent effort it's just not going to work and then that's like doesn't reinforce the, the correct movement and i actually ended up um in the lead up to this ended up training less than i normally do doing sh- like um less training but making sure i was feeling good and i felt like i improved a lot more because of that you know like trying to make sure each session i come to a i was excited to train my, my, you know, I think my test was like when I'm overtraining, I feel like w- when I walk up the stairs, um, we have like one set of stairs to the gym, and if if I walk up them and I'm like, oh, stairs, like <laughs> I've got to get up these stairs, then I shouldn't be training. But like, I mean, I still would, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd probably do a lighter session, you know. Whereas because it's just a it's just stair, like if you know, sometimes obviously it's not hard, but like. It, it's your body saying like, oh, that doesn't want to like put yeah. in the the work. Yeah, so is it, I is actually it, actually trained less, made sure I felt good, and I, th- I feel like for something like wrestling, that's that's really important. Where where like the speed and explosiveness um, required is is important. So I felt like you know if I was adding, it's, especially in wrestling, I had so much um, to improve technically that that to, in my head focusing my my energy on on strength training. Although it would obviously the stronger and more powerful you are is going to help a lot in, in something like um, especially in wrestling but also in, in jiu-jitsu. But I kind of felt like the technical improvements I could potentially make from from getting more wrestling training in might might surpass the improvements I could make from being stronger. Okay. So let's talk. About, I got you a couple more minutes here, but uh, training. You're not training at a at a huge you know, gym with, with 20 world-class champion black belt athletes. Tell me a little bit about your training environment and how you make this work uh, to produce uh, not just yourself, but uh, a, an amazing group of athletes that go out and compete at a high level. Yeah. So, I mean, 
yeah, so obviously I train at Absolute MMA in, in Melbourne, Australia. Um, at, um, we we have a uh, 9.30 a.m., which we call our pro training class. Um, and so that's where basically where I do my, my training there. I basically I get about like hour and a half to two hours training a day. Um, that might seem like not that much, but that's that's basically what my body can handle before I start feeling like I'm, I'm overtraining. Um, so I'm, I'm 33 now. I've been training for 17 years, so probably my capacity for taking on the the six-hour training loads like you hear people doing is just not there. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing a little less. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a 9.30 a.m. session. We train for about um, about two hours. And that's like we've got a few people, a bunch of people who um, are taking jiu-jitsu pretty seriously. So uh, we've got, I've got definitely got like a, a solid mat there. We had um, – well, Kit and Kit, Kit Dale uh, trains with us, but he's now he's now in LA, so he hasn't been training with us probably the last year or so. Uh, and obviously, Craig, when he's in Melbourne, will will train with us as well. Though he's probably spending a bit more time in New York now. But so obviously, like there's some there's some people who can really give me a a, a good beating. <laughs> um, but also on the mat, we had um, Ben Hodgkinson who qualified for ADCC. Live. My, my wife qualified for ADCC as well. So we ended up with like a bunch of us really preparing for this. And then there's a whole uh, group of people that were preparing for the ADCC trials as well. So there's definitely enough people who are on the same page and okay. having the same sort of training methodology to to give me the enough of a challenge in, in training for sure um, and um, to, to improve my, my skills. Um, in the actual training sessions we do half an hour of drilling so i guess actually i'll probably talk about this first like it i've tried to make it so that even though i'm saying i'm training a pretty short amount of time about two hours a day like every minute of that two hours is uh, focused on exactly what i needed to work on to to do well at adcc so it's it's all uh self-directed in some degree like uh, a little as a class structure it's all self-directed it's 30 minutes of drilling whatever you want, like whatever you're working on. Then there's we do about 40 minutes of situational training. Um, and then we finish off with about half an hour of rolling and then some stretches to, to finish off. But um, even the situational training, it's like like it, I'd basically written out a plan, like these are the skills that I'm going to fix in you know this month. I'm going to work on these, this skill set. I'm going to start from this position. Um, here and then we're going to go and then when I get out of that position we're going to reset and go again and just like until I uh, make improvements in in that particular area and then once I feel like I've done that whatever my next problem is or the next month I'd be I'd be reevaluating and 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 going through a, a new plan for that month so although it's um it's not a particularly large training volume I don't think it's I think it's like getting the most out of your training yeah and, and and without putting a ton of miles on your body, you, you're you're fine tuning your game. How much, uh, if you had to guess, Lachlan? Let's just say out of ten hours of training, how many hours are uh, working heel hooks or fifty fifty or your leg lock game? Um, well, uh, does that occupy like a large chunk know, of that, or is it just? Yeah, I mean, I would be, I, like. I, I suppose my, I, as I said, I, I trained more wrestling than okay the, the jiu jitsu, um, so I was probably doing like. <laughs> I was probably doing sixty percent wrestling. Um, you just didn't see it in the 
tournament. But yeah, I've I've been working that a lot. I entered the actually won the national championships, in, but Australia's not like a a um, huge wrestling country. But um, yeah, I was really focusing on wrestling. I, I was I was expecting actually. Um, that if I wasn't able to get a leg lock, I was probably going to end up in, in overtime in a wrestling match, but that actually never happened. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, probably, so let's say 60% wrestling, then there's probably like, if it, actually, probably that, that was, that was really when, when I was playing, um, any, any like jujitsu or rolling engagement was, was me trying to get to the legs and get a leg lock. That was my, that was yeah. my plan. Okay. If, if it was going to be a jujitsu match, like it were going to be, uh, fighting for, submissions or passes or whatever then i'm then i'm looking to catch the legs um and then if if not it's going to be a wrestling match and i'm going to try and get the takedown and, and work from there so if you're if you're trying yeah, to so. pass someone's guard are you if you're on top in guard are you trying to pass or uh attack the leg with the with the setup of a pass like what are you trying to what's your thought process or is it just a blend of things okay so oh, this is probably comes down to adcc strategy okay um, so uh like I, I, was, I love guard passing. I, I think it's probably actually in the last 10 years, I've probably spent more time trying to on my guard passing than any other part of my game, just because it's probably the hardest thing to do in jiu-jitsu is to pass the guard. Like someone who's got a good guard, it's probably the, the most difficult thing to do. So it's a skill you have to work a lot. Um, I just think like if you look at the stats in, in jiu-jitsu, you're much more likely to, get swept than than get a guard pass oh um like if yeah yeah like, yeah you know, yeah especially at a, at a lighter weight division you know um so adcc rule set has a um, little cheat to get around that in, in ibjjf so if you're on top you're basically you're stuck in that game yeah if i'm on top in ibjjf i'm either gonna pass or get swept or nothing happens right in in ADCC, if you if you go for a submission from on top, and then end up on the bottom, there's no points for that. So if you initiate the yeah. the, the the submission attack and the, past, the other person ends up on top, then you don't lose any points. Um, so my my strategy was not to try to pass just because of the um the the more like well the, I feel like it's more highly likely that uh, you end up getting swept. Um, Whereas if I could sit down for a leg lock, if I get it, awesome. If I don't, I'm on the bottom and I can just play my, my guard entries and I haven't lost anything from that. Um, so I was trying to eliminate the what I felt like would have been a potential um, way to lose, which is even though I, I like my guard passing, I still feel like just statistically the it's, it's less likely to, to be effective. Yeah. So in your, a, in your, in your training for this, you weren't really planning on like you weren't developing or fine tuning your side control attacks or your mount attacks. You no. weren't planning on that. It's either uh, you go for the legs, like like you wouldn't end up in side control in accident. So <laughs> is that right? Yeah, like yeah. you were really focused on a few things and how to get there. Yeah, very. I narrowed it down a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted. Yeah. You know, obviously, like some, sometimes the best way to get a leg attack is to threaten a pass you know yeah um, absolutely. but i guess what i guess you know like if i threatened the pass and they didn't react then <laughs> i would i would quite happily pass yeah but my but like if their leg comes in front of me i'm, I'm gonna take that option to me that was the for, for my strategy for this event that was the the way to go um and i'm not I, obviously this is just um for, for me this is adcc strategy which okay, is quite yeah. different to how i would approach an ibgf tournament 
Yeah. yeah. Lachlan, how could somebody keep up with you? I follow you on Instagram and you, you post some really fun things on there and, and, uh, and some really insightful comments and, and, and that sort of thing. But where's <laughs> I, a good I place to go just, to keep up with you? Yeah. Mostly just uh, copy the memes that people make about me and then <laughs> share them. <laughs> Gives the illusion that I'm funny, but I'm actually not. Um, uh, yeah, mate. So my Instagram is, uh, Lachlan Giles. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty easy. Um, and Facebook, I'm on as well. Um, yeah, um, obviously, I've got my instructionals through BJJ Fanatics, um, and I've got some stuff on the Grapplers Guide as well. Um, so, yeah, if you follow me on – oh, and my YouTube channel, Absolute MMA St. Kilda. Um, so follow that. I think that's uh, – I put up – usually, like, uh, I'll put up one one of the classes I teach a week. I'll often film it and, and, and put that up on, on YouTube so you get to – see a pretty broad variety of things that I, that I put up there. So. Oh, that's great. Um, it, so it, you're doing any um, teaching of seminars, that sort of thing? Can people get a hold of you if they want to bring you out? Yeah, I've got to work out what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> I've had, a, I had like so many messages after ADCC, and I actually I, I needed to be like writing down who was um, asking for seminars because I, I was just I had I was too busy to actually like uh, respond properly, but um, yeah. So what I'll I'll probably be getting to you know Europe and the states um, soon, uh, hopefully before the end of, of this year. So I might, I might make a a post when I when I know I'm going there and see who can who's willing to, to host me, um, and then when I know where I'm going, I'll I'll let you guys know. Awesome. I appreciate your time today and, and sharing some of the story uh, that you had. Uh, any final thoughts or words for the audience? Uh, just yeah, thanks for for being awesome. Um, especially the, I mean, the crowd and the messages and the support after the event. It's um, it was really, it was, it was just amazing to to experience that. And you know, it's a really good community. Um, and thanks for all the support. All right, I want to thank Lachlan for hopping on the show here with me. It was great to have him uh, back on uh, the BJJ Break podcast. Check out his previous interview with us a while back, and uh, it, he's just a. He's a guy, all smiles, really uh, amazing at jiu-jitsu. And uh, it, I, I do, like Gary was saying earlier, enjoy his coaching style. The way he teaches uh, jiu-jitsu, it, watching his instructionals is, is really uh, a great learning tool. He, he's one of the people that can not only perform jiu-jitsu at a high level, um, but also coach it. You know, he's, and you could, he could see that with the talent he's developed around him. And uh, he's just an impressive person. He's We're glad we have him in the sport. <laughs> we're glad to have him on the episode. Uh, check out his, his new uh, DVD, uh, the 5050 Anthology, and uh, his, his other DVDs. He's got a cool one about uh, uh, guard passing with the with the body lock, which is a great guard pass. And, and I've been working on that as well. So anyway. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because I have been working on that also. Dang it, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because I have been working on that also. Joe, are you serious? Yeah. for, for Unbelievable. For, I quit. For older, I quit. For an older guy like me, that's just, uh, man, that's, it's gold. Yeah. And for an older, older guy like me, that really is gold. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I I've been working on that, and so us, that, that's crazy that all three of us are doing the same thing. And for us young guys, it's uh, it's good too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forty. Uh, all right, there, spring chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I'd give anything to be forty. <laughs> oh man, well, good, you're just a body lock away. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, great stuff by by Lachlan, and we do appreciate his uh, 
him sharing his knowledge. I mean, and uh, and and you can support him by doing by by uh, by getting his products and and also watching him on YouTube. So, yep, do that. Nice guy. Great information. Hey, Byron, you were just talking about great stuff uh, there by Lachlan Giles. Yes. We also have a great article yes. by the one, the only, Joe Thomas. Yeah. So, Gary, how is your poker face? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Good. He's smiling ear to ear right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's like when Gary gets that Kimura grip locked on, man. It just grinning from ear to ear. So we, we've had a couple of articles written by other people that we've covered on tennis, skateboarding, soccer. Did we do tennis? We did skateboarding and soccer. I know that. So kind of thinking outside the box here a little bit. And I got to thinking about how you always hear that poker or that uh, jujitsu is like chess, but it's a lot like poker, too. And so I kind of spent some time mulling this over and came up with five things that I think the two have in common. And uh, the, the first one I thought is you, you got to play the hand you're dealt. I've played a little poker, not a ton. I know that you can draw some cards, you can discard some cards, but you can't make requests. It's not like go fish. You, you know, you get dealt a hand and you just got to make the best of it. And you can look at that on a small scale, like individual matches or stuff. Uh, or you could look at it on the big scale. And that's kind of the way I was looking at it. Not all of us start jiu-jitsu when we're 19 and we have, you know, opportunity to go five days a week and, you know, a great school in our area. Some of us live in the country and, and we're training with some guy in his garage. And if, if that's the hand you're dealt, you make the best of it. You know, some of us start when we're in our 30s and 40s and we've got kids and grandkids and bad backs and sore hands. And that's the hand you're dealt and you can make the best of it. So uh, th- that's one thing definitely that I think the two activities have in common. Yeah, that's uh, and that will help you just realize, and that will help you, I think, deal with some frustrations uh, because none of our bodies behave the way you want them to all the time. And so, if if you feel like, man, I'm slower than everybody, or I'm whatever, it, yes, you could change things, of course. But you know what? If you're starting this and you're you're you know Gary or Joe's age, <laughs> you're probably not going <laughs> to win adult uh, uh, tournaments, you know, or, or black belt like. Uh, What's the hand you're dealt with? Play that hand. Have the have. That's why we have you know masters divisions and, and other things that you could you could play in the competitive, uh, uncompetitive poker tables. That's a, yeah, that's a good one, Joe. I think that does help deal with. And and if your training partner like you start with the same uh, time as an 18 year old person who is naturally athletic or maybe wrestled, uh, quit comparing yourself to that person all the time. That's just adding frustration. And, you know, maybe you hang with them, maybe you don't. But con- comparing yourself with other people. Is uh is like looking at your hand like I wish I had a different hand. <laughs> yeah, but don't do any good at that point. Yeah. Uh, and your second uh, thing you have here is is understand the rules and objectives. And uh, you, I don't know what I've seen this before. Is it on TV? And I don't know if it was like The Simpsons or some some t- movie or something. What it was, but uh, they're playing poker, and a guy lays down his hand like, ah, you know, read him and weep. And uh, it's like spades and clubs, a mixed uh, bag of those. Like it's nothing. <laughs> you don't have anything. Like, <laughs> yeah. Dang it! I thought I was they're trying to get. Black. Yeah, I thought I was trying to get uh, all black cards or all red cards. Like that's a thing, right? No, it's not a thing. And, and, and just like, what are the rules you're playing with? You know, it, it, if if you were at ADCC and you racked up a bunch of points before the points segment started, 
you did nothing. Like, and maybe you did something. Maybe you you wore the person down. Maybe you caught it. You know, obviously if you submitted them with that good positioning that you had, but um, you got to play the rules. Uh, you know, with the, the rules that you're the game that you're playing, and you got to work those rules. And that's something that uh, you know we saw a lot more of this ADCC is is people being really aware of the rules and and not making those mistakes that have been made in the past as far as getting put in a position where they you know start giving up negative points or um you know they do things that are just bad strategy it's all very little of that and uh you should you should be thinking the same thing if you're wanting to compete you start learning those rules start learning how to score points you know and you know maybe uh i passed joe's guard and he quickly recovers like well, wait did i get like maybe hey joe did i think i want to score that or no like um and not to annoy your teammates, but you have to you have to learn these things. And if if Joe was able to squirm back and and get his guard recovered before I established good clean sight control, I didn't get any points. You know, you need to be able to get that control for a certain amount of time. So yeah, uh, I we've all seen guys that uh, you know they pass the guard and they go right to mount and they go right for an arm lock and they get reversed, and they end up with their opponent in their guard, and it all happened so quick. They never solidified the position and got points for that. For the pass, they never solidified the mount and got points for that, and it was a whole lot of work, and in the context of trying to win that match by points, they didn't accomplish anything. But it is cool to, to do that and, and end with that arm lock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if High you risk. can finish that arm lock, it's great, but man, if you get reversed, then you did a whole lot of work yeah, for nothing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Joe, I like your point three, you know, bluffing. And, um, you know, at the poker table, you're, you're trying to create an illusion uh, that something is true, uh, like you have a great hand, like you said there. But, man, jujitsu is all about bluffing. You know, uh, normally you're two or three moves ahead of what you're trying to do. You know, you may be grabbing a Kimura grip, but you're trying to get that person to react. And, uh, you know, maybe you're actually looking for the guillotine, uh, you know, as he reacts, you pop back into a guillotine, but, um, you know, bluffing's huge in poker bluffing's huge in, uh, in jujitsu. I think that's, a uh, a skill that you, you know, I, I don't play poker, but in jujitsu, I didn't have it when I first started, you know, I was just so singular, just looking for one thing, which is normal. You know, I'm just going for the, the move that's in front of me. But once you, once you start getting a little, uh, experience in jujitsu, it, it's a big bluff game. Yeah. It makes yep. things easier as well when you, when you're able to bluff or, or trick your opponent a little bit. I'm working on that, the art of war for BJJ. And that's a pretty big concept. If I can get, Joe to defend the wrong thing, it makes attacking the thing I'm trying to attack a lot easier because he's not only not defending it, he's actively doing the wrong thing that to defend something. <laughs> like if he's defending a, a choke and I'm setting up my arm bar and he's still worried about his neck, man, he's worried about the wrong thing entirely. He's doing the wrong thing to defend the arm bar. Uh, that's, you know, trying to trick somebody is a great thing. And, and you see it in those poker games when somebody thinks they have a good hand or they think they're going to win. That's the one that costs them big. When I've got a, a decent hand and I feel good about it, I bet more. And and that's how you get suckered in. And, and uh, man, Gary had a great hand. I had a pretty good hand and I lost because of that. <laughs> that hurts real bad. You know, one thing I've noticed when I watch Joe roll, what he's been doing lately, he's really been taking this to 
to heart, you know, poker and jujitsu and, you know, trying to hide his bluffs. Joe's been rolling with dark sunglasses. Um, nice. so, uh, yeah, it's uh, one thing I've noticed he's been doing and I'm not sure if it's working, but, uh, you know, uh, it would hide his bluff a little bit. They won't be able to read his, read his face and his eyes as much. One time as you know, he Gary, was, Gary, I never really thought about that. Um, I've actually just been wearing the sunglasses because of my future so bright. <laughs> uh, one time I, I had uh, Joe and I had his back, had a body lock, it was tight, I was squeezing, and I swear an ace of clubs fell out of his uh, out of his out of his pant leg. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that was an ace of clubs. He's, he's got cars somewhere in there. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Joe writes this really great article and we uh, take it to this Joe what do you got for point number uh, four he should sing this so let's, let's hear it yeah. Joe yep what you gotta <laughs> sing it and if you're gonna play the game boy you gotta learn to play it right you got to know when to hold it <laughs> Who had that queued up quickly? Uh, yeah, you got to know when to hold them, when to fold them, when to walk away, and when to run. Now, I think this point's really key, and it just ha- has to do with reading the table. When you sit down at a poker table, the quicker you learn who's out for blood and, and who's doesn't know what they're doing and who's a big bluffer, the quicker you figure out that, the better you are. Sometimes you're playing with a table full of sharks that just want every penny you have and you got to run. But I think that a, a good skill for a jiu-jitsu player to have, you should get to a point where you can go visit a new gym and every guy you roll with or girl, within the first few seconds, you should have a clue of what kind of game they're bringing to the table and what kind of and what things they're trying to do. You know, you look at the grips that they're trying to establish, their posture. Um, you know, there's a lot you can tell about what they're doing. And, and the, the sooner you pick all that up, I think the better off you are. Yeah, that's a good one, uh, Joe. And, and you can kind of get the feel for things pretty quick. Uh, how how serious it is, or how good they are, or maybe even what they're what they're aiming to do, uh, provided they're not bluffing or trying to trick you. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, I know, you know. So if you guys are in Gary's house, stacks of money all over the place. <laughs> Which this leads us to point number five, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> it actually leads us to wonder what he's doing at work. <laughs> well, I just lost my job, and I'll be in the news tomorrow. Uh, no, number five, you never count your money when you're sitting at the table. Um, you know, I like what you said, Joe. Uh, gambling was cutthroat, and uh, if you show all that money, it's a sure way to get your ASS shot. Um, you know, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, you're in a match, you're, you're in practice, uh, you know, don't go crazy when you tap somebody out, don't go jumping around. Um, you know, this is all about respect. Um, you know, when you're, when you're training with somebody, um, you know, don't have that ego. Don't, you know, uh, peacock, uh, show those feathers, um, you know, being humble, you know, is Go, will go a long way. It'll help you get better at jujitsu. It'll help you make a lot of friends at jujitsu, who in turn will help you get to that next milestone. Um, you know, have a healthy ego and be humble at all times. All right, Annie up, guys. 
Yeah, I didn't uh, bring my uh, bring any funds. I'm, <laughs> I'm folding. Joe Don't won. take no wooden nickels. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. I mean, that's just that's just common in in our culture. If if you uh, if you happen to tap out somebody don't celebrate you know that's, that's don't just put rude. it on facebook don't yeah don't but i finally typed out a black belt today and you're like you know what that's, that's a sure way to get your ass destroyed at the next training session <laughs> yeah uh, well it's just not a good being a good training partner either like you could i guess you could say that if you did that at a tournament you know like let's just say your first tournament you know blue belt and you know, felt good. I actually got caught a blue belt. You know, like that's different. But in a training environment, we want to promote the culture that is is a learning culture. And and it's it doesn't help you if you are a blue belt and the black belt is doing nothing but destroy you all the time. Like that's a, not not a fast way to learn jujitsu. And and if you know if they give you you know mount to work from, and they're not like handing you submissions, they're working, but they give you the position and you catch them. You know, good job. You know, you you got that, and that's the way I am. Like, I'll give people positions a lot. I will fight pretty hard to get out of submissions, but I get caught sometimes. Be, you know, that's just the way jujitsu is. You don't have a you get caught, you get caught. But people don't get up and and celebrate. Uh, it'd be a little bit harder to bring that playful style to the next round if you know instead because I was like, hey, good job, man. <laughs> that was a tight choke. Versus you know you you making a big deal of it. That's just bad. That's just bad taste. Don't do that. Good points, Joe. So, what te- we got, my friend? Have you uh, your experience level with poker? Do you, have you played? Do you play with buddies sometimes on the weekend? Do you play in the boat? What's going on? Can't Man, say. I'm not sure. Not, how, not, I'm not, not sure liberty how to, for tax purposes to say. <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer this. It feels <laughs> like a it feels like a friendly conversation, but you're being drugged into a, a path you don't want to go down. I, I think I'm being set up for something. I just don't. I don't even know if I should never play poker with you or what. <laughs> You've played a few games, okay? A few hands. Yes. Okay. A few hands. That's fun. I like this. Anytime that that. Uh, uh, somebody can bring in something from the side like this and, and bring it to Jujitsu and some lessons. That's awesome. So Yeah, uh, so if, if anybody out there wants to contribute, we've been on this kick where we're trying to look at other sports and other activities. So if you're out there and you're an avid, uh, oh, I don't know, a bowler or a, a rock climber or uh, anything ooh, like climb. that, uh, sh- share your thoughts with us and we'll cover it on the air. Even a kayaker, Gary. Yeah, kayak. Even a, We had a couple of... Uh, kayakers on here recently that's uh, true get gary hall <laughs> being one of them kind of <laughs> i was bluffing <laughs> yeah i put Stephen him Kesty. and Kesting right right there <laughs> at the top of the kayak number one list. number two i don't yeah. know the order but uh they're yeah. both very skilled i kayaked, I kayaked a mile Stephen Kesting kayak over a thousand miles <laughs> yeah we're in the same category is it gary it's the yeah, same boat you, you, the did same your, boat. you did your mile really good though gary so <laughs> Yeah, some of I his... had a guide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys are in the same boat. And if you yeah. look in the article, go check it out. It's on this website called Beaches Day Brick. I'll put a link to the uh, actual article, though, in the show notes. Uh, it's toolboxes mentioned. And, and I saw that. I'm like, oh, he didn't say tool bag. He said toolbox. <laughs> yeah, and yes, I did uh, plagiarize uh, Kenny Rogers a little bit. Uh, I, I think he'll... 
offer me some grace on that. So hold on, hold on, Joe. We have a phone call right now coming in. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's Kenny Rogers. Hold on, let me hang up on him just so I. He can. Uh, okay, cool. I hung up on him. We're okay, good. there we go. Yeah, we get back in fo- business. The phones are just yep. always buzzing off the hook here on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, uh, we do. I, I do want to do something. I want to thank Rolo. Uh, he's our newest Patreon supporter. If you enjoy the show, you want to help it out, uh, help it grow and, and become the best that it can be, and help it you know, be here in the future. Um, one way you can do that is by supporting supporting us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon is basically a website that has supports content uh, producers like podcasters. So every episode, you pledge a certain amount. You can pay, pledge one dollar, two or three, or you know whatever you feel. And at the end of the month, uh, your card is is charged that, or your PayPal account, whatever you sign up with, is charged that. So you know most months there's four episodes, sometimes five, and uh, and that's kind of what you're looking at. You could also set a cap to where. You know, hey, I only want to pledge for three episodes a month. You could also kind of limit it on that. Anyway, that stuff makes a huge difference. Rolo is our uh, newest Patreon supporter. A very generous uh, donation uh, or pledge from him. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, as Patreon supporters, uh, you know, it'd be smart if I had like tiers. That's what everybody does. I give everybody the same thing. <laughs> like, you, you support any well, you amount. You do have. Yeah. You do have tears most of the time after we get rolling. I see uh, tears coming after out of your podcast, eyes. After the podcast, I'm getting tea so much from Gary and Joe, I, I, I tear up a little bit as well. Are you going to bring us donuts? <laughs> Byron's like, I'm not crying. My eyes are just sweating. It was a tough roll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about something real sad right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, your jujitsu game. <laughs> Oh man! Okay, now I'm starting to tear up. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me finish this, guys. I'm just trying to talk about Patreon. Uh, it, uh, what I'll do is I'll I'll, uh, I'll mail out uh, our BJJ brick gi patch. It's five inches. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, oh man! I'm, I wish. I'm getting in, killed in, over in here. This, in this case, Byron, I believe you. Yeah, <laughs> dang it. Um, also, have a three-inch uh, sticker. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Why are we measuring everything, guys? It's not that important. Um, man, this is this is uh, going downhill quick here, guys. Uh, no, so we still have a couple of the old gi patches that are that are the the legacy, the old throwback gi patches. So right now, if you sign up on Patreon, I'll I'll still be able to mail you out both the gi patches and the sticker. That's over awesome. ten inches of gi patch. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> You can put that patch anywhere you want, guys. Uh, I really get a kick out of it when they send when you guys send me pictures of you guys with the gi patches. Man, that that just puts a face to who's who's supporting us, and uh, you know they send it through Facebook or email bjjbrick at gmail dot com. It's an easy way to get a hold of me anytime, uh, day or night. I only read them at day, but you can send it send it anytime. Uh, also, our our Facebook group, man, we have a private Facebook group. Uh, so we have two things on Facebook. Three, actually. We all have Facebook pages, individual, uh, to our person. And we have a Facebook page for the BJJ Brick. And uh, it's, it's it's fun. Joe posts a lot of good information, sharing fun uh, pictures and quotes and things like that, uh, thoughts as well. And then the private Facebook group is something you have to be invited to. So once you're on Patreon, uh, find me on Facebook, add me, or find, you know, find us and say, hey, I'm the guy, send me an email, and then I'll add you to the private Facebook group. Little behind the scenes chatter, a little bit more harassing of Gary uh, on there. Uh, 
with some of our uh, Patreon supporters. They, they've all picked up the torch of, of harassment and, and often run with that. Yeah, and it seems like I'm always the target. I don't understand why. Just because you're an easy target, Gary. That's all. No offense, but, man, you're an easy target. Darn. <laughs> uh, your looks and the things you do and say and uh, just the person entirely. But Jeez, I, I just set myself up. <laughs> I could continue to list the things, but I feel like I'm kind of being a little bit mean with it. Well, I thank you, Byron. So I'll stop there before you start to cry as well. No, my ears don't sweat. My eyes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Gary leaks out of a See, lot of holes, but not his eyes. <laughs> uh, I set myself up again. Joe, you're found in two different states. Where could they find you leaking from places? <laughs> and you wonder why nobody wants to roll with us, Byron. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm south of Houston is where my home is. Uh, if you're in the Houston area, hit me up. I also uh, spent a pretty good bit of time, an hour or so away from New Orleans and Louisiana. So if you're in that area, I may be able to find you and train, or I can send you in the right direction if you're looking for a school to train at. So, how about you, Byron? Well, Gary and I are, are both f- found in the same town. If you can believe it, this town is big enough for both of us. We just live on opposite sides. Uh, and I did that on purpose. Yeah. I mean, it was basically going to be, you know, the judge was going to come down with that if you didn't do it on your own. So thank you. Uh, we're in Wichita, Kansas. It's kind of in the middle of the country. And if you are in Wichita for some reason, uh, whether you live here, you're traveling through, or you're here to train jujitsu. Uh, send us a message on Facebook or the email, and we'll try to connect with you and get some mat time with you, my friends. That's always a highlight, uh, you know, of, of the podcasting uh, game is to meet you guys to get some. You know, we do things, we do jujitsu to do that activity we talk about every week with you guys. Man, that is awesome. Uh, we, we also, you know, we do the uh, the BJJ Brick Camp. We get to meet some of you guys then. But anytime you're in Wichita. Uh, let us know and, and we'll do our best to get with you and, and get some mat time. Gary prefers no gi, but you can also make him put a gi on it and try to chuck him with it. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little bit easier. But uh, before we, we run out of fluids here, <laughs> uh, I just want to say stay sweaty, my friends, which I guess is another form of leaking. And don't forget to shower. Yeah, train hard, train smart, and try to train without leaking too much. Uh, Get better, guys, and we'll see you on the mats. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.